0: listeners and happy spring. We are so happy you're here for the fifth episode of Couple of Criminals. My name is Mariah.
1: And my name is Anton, and we are your average couple reviewing your not-so-average crimes.
0: This episode is number five of a 50-part series that we are doing where the episodes and crimes are based around a different state in the United States. Before I get into the case from California, Anton is going to give us his cringe-worthy joke to lighten the mood and hopefully bring a smile to you listeners. Here you go, Anton.
1: Okay, Mariah, why did the bullet end up losing his job?
0: Why did the bullet lose his job? Yeah. A mass layoff.
1: No, it's because <laughs> he got fired. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that one before. That one's good. Yeah. That one hopefully brought a smile to your guys' face. Okay, so today's episode officially moves us out of the A states in the U.S. and onto the next, which is California. This beautiful state holds a special place in my heart. I was raised in a small city in Southern Oregon and grew up going to the Northern coastline in California. I absolutely love those simpler times surrounded by immense beauty and shorelines. California has everything everyone thinks that they want. Fame, money, sunshine, and beautiful beaches. People flock to California for Hollywood for long warm days, but most importantly, at least for me and Anton, a Mickey Mouse churro from Disneyland. that sounds
1: so good right now.
0: I know. Anton and I are both huge Disney fans, and Anton has yet to go to Disneyland, but I will be getting them there one day. That's my goal. I hope so. Not to worry, though. We have been to Disney World one too many times. Anton was raised in Florida, so we've gone our fair share. Plenty of times, yes. When I was navigating what case to choose in California, I had a very hard time because there are so many crimes that have taken place here over the decades. So today, I am not focusing on the warmth and beauty of California. I am focusing on a case that has been left so cold and frigid for almost 80 years. The case began on January 15th, 1947. Yes, I said that right. This case is from the 40s. And while researching, I was shocked with how much I found on a case so old.
1: Yeah, that's amazing that you found so much.
0: Yeah. On this beautiful winter morning in Los Angeles around 10 a.m., a mother by the name of Betty was on a normal daily walk with her daughter through one of the many parks in southern L.A. Nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary on this day. A normal morning walk and a normal morning. As she is strolling through the park with her daughter, she sees something a short distance ahead in the weeds just by the sidewalk in front of what sources would say was an empty lot. As she gets closer to what she sees, she is horrified to find that it is a woman who is completely naked and is completely cut in half. This is no magic trick. The woman she stumbled on was cleanly cut in half from the waist down. Oh
1: my word, that sounds like a terrible way to die.
0: Yeah. Once Betty recognized what she saw, she rushed to a neighbor's home and called 911. Obviously, this is LA, so this case quickly gained interest in the tabloids and has since become one of the most famous unsolved cases in the state and ultimately the country. When the LAPD arrived at the scene, it was horribly and horrifically gruesome. This young woman was pale, had jet black hair, and as I said earlier, had been severed cleanly at the waist. But even more than that, her face had been carved with a Cheshire smile that was cut from ear to ear. Here, Anton, let me show you the crime scene photo that was taken of her face by the medical examiner.
1: So it's like the Cheshire cat? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Almost reminds me of the Joker a little bit, honestly.
0: Yeah. It also appeared that her paleness stemmed from being completely drained of all her blood. She also had organs removed from her body, including her intestines being completely taken out of her body and placed under her buttocks. The killer obviously wanted her to be found because he or she, whoever the killer was, laid her in a public park right next to a sidewalk and then posed her. The police noted that with all this mutilation and damage done to this poor woman, there was not one, literally not even one drop of blood found anywhere at the scene.
1: Wow, that's insane.
0: Yeah, not by her body, not around the scene, not even on the curb of the sidewalk. Literally no blood anywhere.
1: Most likely... She was killed elsewhere and just put there.
0: Yeah, you're pretty much saying what I was going to say next. This concluded that this heinous act had been done elsewhere, and they were surely dealing with someone who was a professional. When her body was taken back to the medical examiner's office, they saw that parts of her breasts and thighs had been cut off and were nowhere to be found. The medical examiner, or what I'll refer to as the ME, was also able to determine that the cause of death was a cerebral hemorrhage and that the cuts and mutilations were all done post-mortem. It was also concluded that whoever did this had extensive medical experience because every cut was done with pristine precision and her entire body was perfectly cleaned and sanitized up to medical standard. It left the medical examiner with little to clean because she was spotless when he had her on his, his table in the medical examiner's office. I want you to think about this. The scene that this mother walked up on with her own little daughter. She presumed that it was a mannequin because the body was literally in two pieces. Her lower half was posed by the killer one foot lower than that of her torso and the legs were spread wide and her arms were also spread wide above her head. She was completely white and pale due to the drainage of her blood and had beautiful black curly hair. I think any of us would have thought it was a mannequin because you don't want to think the worst and you don't expect a human to be in such a horrific position and involved in something so
1: horrible. Oh yeah, no, for sure.
0: Yeah, I just, I can't imagine. The first thing investigators were tasked with doing was finding out who this young woman was. At the scene, there was no identification in order to identify her. Obviously, it was the 40s. They couldn't just scan her fingerprint like we see in NCIS or quickly run her DNA. Instead, they had to fax a picture of the victim's fingerprint to D.C., and it was reported that it took less than 56 minutes in the 40s. It took less than 56 minutes to get a confirmation that the severed woman was that of a 22-year-old Elizabeth Short.
1: Wow, that's really, really fast. I know.
0: Yeah. And they still have the original fax, which is pretty cool that that you can look up. They were able to confirm her identity so quickly because she had recently applied for a job at an army base in California and had also been arrested for underage drinking before. Okay. It then surfaced that she had just recently moved to LA and as most of us know, it's because she's trying to look for her big break in Hollywood. At the time though, she was working as a waitress until that big break would hopefully come. And she had only lived in LA about six months is what it was said. Oh,
1: wow. So she was brand new to California.
0: Shortly after the police released her identity and picture, acquaintances in the area came forward and said that she was known as the Black Dahlia in the community because of her tendency to always wear black sheer dresses, and it aligned with a film that was out at the time called The Blue Dahlia. In addition to finding out more about her and her nickname, tips started to come in, which are usually promising. But these were not just any tips. People were calling in anonymously, claiming that they were the killer and that they knew everything about the case and the body. However, one call stood out from the others. This call was placed on January 21st, and the anonymous caller stated that they should expect some of Beth's Beth shorts souvenirs in the mail. And they referred to her as Beth. So okay. you would think with a nickname, it would be personal. At yeah, least that's how I would take it. Definitely. Not even three days later, an envelope had been received that had clippings from the newspaper that said, The Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers. Here is Dahlia's belongings. Letter to follow. Anton, let me show you this eerie letter that was received by the office. Oh. Yeah. So when I look at this letter, it looks like those vision boards that people used to make by cutting out images or words from magazines or newspapers, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. So when this phone tip came in three days ago, they never thought they would actually receive something. But they did. They received this eerie newspaper cutout letter. letter. Yeah. Enclosed in this letter was her birth certificate, social security, an address book, and a couple other personal items like a business card and things like that.
1: Yeah, but it's her stuff. It's her stuff,
0: yes. On that same day that they received this letter, a black shoe and handbag were found near the crime scene and were confirmed to be shorts belongings. Note, there was nothing found at the crime scene. It was completely clear. So these were planted there.
1: They were put there later. On the
0: same day that the letter was received. So this guy, he, guy or woman, is a professional. They
1: had this planned out to a T is what it sounds like.
0: Yeah. The first thing that was done was to dust the belongings for p- fingerprints, but the person was a professional like we know. Whoever it was had cleaned any trace of their DNA off of every single item. This person knew what they were doing and they were taunting the police. They knew that whoever placed the items at the scene and sent the letter were from the killer because everything was cleaned the same way. This killer used gasoline.
1: With every, as a cleaning product? As a cleaning
0: product. It completely wipes any evidence or DNA.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. With every aspect of the evidence being cleaned, they only had a couple things to go off of in order to find this horrific killer. First thing, one of the items in the letter was a phone book that had the name of Mark Hansen on the front. Second thing, a black sedan had been reported to be seen around the crime scene on the night of the murder. And the third and final thing. A cement sack was found near the body that had small amounts of blood, but not enough to be traced. The cement sack turned up nothing to really help find a killer, but was a weird find to find at such a, you know, a gruesome crime scene. The driver of the black sedan was later found and spoken with and ended up being quickly ruled out because they had no part in the murder. Then, the investigators moved onto the phone book that was set in, the letter of Short's belongings. They contacted over 75 men from the book that ended up being cleared. They also contacted the name on the front, Mark Hansen. Hansen was a successful nightclub owner and knew Shortwell and stated that she had stayed at his place a few times because she was known to be what people would call like a drifter or a couch surfer. Hansen was seen as a suspect, but ended up being cleared of the crime. After going through all their evidence and clearing everything they had, investigators ultimately had nothing to get them closer to a suspect or an arrest.
1: That just blows my mind.
0: Yeah. They had thousands of tips, hundreds of false confessions, and over a hundred suspects at one time, but nothing was ever fruitful in arresting someone. This case quickly went cold, as you can assume. Yeah. Every piece of evidence cleaned, every person of interest cleared and spoken to, investigators had nothing to go on, and as years passed, people chalked up the murder to maybe a date gone wrong or possibly an attack while she was going home.
1: Date gone wrong. Interesting way to. uh, I mean, that's a terrible
0: date gone wrong. Yeah,
1: that's got to be like a negative 10 on a scale of 1 to 10.
0: Well, I just think about the audacity of the killer placing the body in such an open and public area. Like, this guy had some nerve, or this killer had some nerve, because obviously we still don't know. So, however, there are some credible theories and suspects 80 years later that I did want to touch on. The first theory that has emerged since this horrifying murder is that from now retired LAPD detective Steve. Steve's father, George, had died in 1999, and Steve was going through his father's belongings when he came upon pictures of the victim, Elizabeth Short.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. He thought this finding was odd, just kind of like how he reacted and began his own personal investigation into his very own father as the murderer. He requested the case files for the Black Dahlia case and had writing samples of his father's writing sent in to compare to the anonymous letters that were sent to the police that were supposed to be from the supposed killer. And they came back as a possible match. Obviously, it's a possible match. So it's not, you know, it's it's not not conclusive. Yeah. Yeah. In addition, Short's body was cut in a specific part of the lower lumbar that only medical professionals would know, and his father practiced medicine and had been taught this new procedure in the 30s when it came out. And his investigation didn't stop there. George had a file on his computer of receipts for work around his home, and one of the receipts was dated a few days before the murder and was for a bag of concrete that was the same brand and size of the bag found at the scene of the body. Steve had piling evidence against his father and an in-depth investigation under his belt, but most of the original investigators were already dead at this time. So he had no one to bounce all of his findings off of. So he released a book called The Black Dahlia Avenger, The True Story, and it talks about his findings and the evidence against his own father. It did later come out that George was a suspect on the investigators list at the time, but it hadn't been pushed further at that time. After conducting more investigation into his father, he actually believes that George, his dad, was a serial killer and not only killed Elizabeth Short but killed numerous women oh throughout my the years.
1: Lord, that's crazy to think.
0: I don't. So that's the first theory that has been investigated pretty heavily. Well, it
1: looks sounding from that, it sounds pretty, uh, yeah, pretty convincing.
0: Just wait until you hear the second one. So the second and final theory that I want to go over today is that of Leslie Dillon. An author by the name of Pew Eatwell claimed in 2017 that she had solved, literally solved one of the most famous unsolved murders of that of the Black Dahlia or Elizabeth Short. In her book, she claims that Leslie Dillon is the real killer and that he actually was on the police's radar at the time, but ended up being released and cleared. However, after her doing more investigation, she believes that he, they cleared the killer. So as we know from earlier, Mark Hansen was a suspect, but was cleared. And he was a man who owned a popular nightclub. Now, you're probably wondering how Dylan fits in with Hanson and all of this. Well, he was a bellhop for Hanson, and Eatwell claims that Dylan murdered Short at the request of Hanson, so a murder to hire, presumably. Hanson had stated that Short stayed with him a few times, and it is claimed that Hanson was the last person to speak with her on the phone before her death. Eatwell also states that it was known at the time that Hanson was actually infatuated with Elizabeth Short and had made numerous advances advances at her but was denied each time. Because of this rejection, she believes he called Dylan to get rid of her. And in reality, Hansen had no idea what Dylan was capable of because Short ended up being found dismembered and horrifically murdered. Eatwell states that Dylan previously worked as a mortician's assistant and so could have known how to drain a body of blood. Yeah. In addition, it was allegedly reported at the same time of the murder that there was a crime scene at a local motel that was absolutely gruesome. The owner of the hotel opened the door and found blood and fecal matter everywhere. It is said that Short had fecal matter in her stomach, which would have had to have been eaten before she died. So that could be a connection. Could be. In the corner of the room, there were also clothes, stained and blood found in a brown bag. So the question is, was this crime scene where Elizabeth Short was brutally murdered? Well, we will never know because the owner cleaned the crime scene and continued on renting the room.
1: Oh my word. That is the one mistake you don't do until after the crime scene is
0: processed. Money makes the world go around. Uh, So I just think you got to keep bringing on business. that's,
1: That's insane.
0: So Eat Well, the author, is convinced that Dylan is the killer and that there is enough evidence to support it. I tell you these two theories because people have taken extensive time to research and learn more about this horrific crime that happened almost 80 years ago. Many theories have emerged over the years, but unfortunately, whoever did this is most likely dead. Which means we will probably never get answers and no one will ever be brought to justice for this murder. But never say never. Many criminals have been brought to justice dead or alive. It just takes the right tip or piece of evidence to convict the person. So, California may be warm and beautiful, but it has a very, very cold and haunting case in its midst that will most likely haunt us until it is solved or until the day that we die and That concludes the cold case murder of Elizabeth Short or the black dahlia
1: wow what a what a story that was,
0: yeah. I just think it's so sad. I mean, a lot of people when I was doing research claimed that she knew multiple men, like she's this beautiful young woman, that she had many, you know, male figures at her beckoning call. But that doesn't warrant, you know, this horrific murder that was done against her. We have no answers. I mean, the theories are great and the research is great. And people have put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into trying to solve it. But like I said... It was eight decades ago.
1: Well, yeah, and that and they're just also theories. They're Yeah. They can't be they're not guilty until proven Yeah. Until proven guilty pretty much.
0: Well, and the thing is is most of it, like I said, is just theories. Yeah. They're presumptions. Well, we don't he clean whoever it was cleaned- fact
1: that just about everyone probably that would have been involved in the case is probably either old or dead.
0: Yeah. Most, most likely, likely dead because they would be most, over a hundred yeah, years most old. Most likely dead now. Yeah.
1: But they might not even remember anything if yeah. they're still alive.
0: You know, the interesting thing is is, you know, as years have passed, I have never heard of this case before.
1: That I me mean, neither.
0: Yeah, and it's just so sad. And if you listeners are interested in seeing any of the crime scene photos, they are pretty gruesome, so I'm not planning on posting them on our social medias, but you can look up the Black Dahlia crime scene and you can see they have a crime scene photo of her body in two parts, how they found yeah. it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at this face and yeah, it it I couldn't even imagine what the crime scene would look like.
0: It it's just it's a really sad scene and it's just sad. I, I think I like reviewing solved cases because there's some sort of closure and as a listener ending,
1: and happy ending
0: of sorts. Yeah, that it's at least closure for the victim's family. But with these, you know, her family, whoever it was, was left with no answers and, still and passed are away with no answers.
1: Well, and her family today. Yeah. Whether it be kid, grandkids, most likely.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening to our podcast and supporting us in jumping headfirst into this new endeavor. Please download, like, share, and subscribe, as well as follow if you'd like. We can't wait for you to be back here next week where Anton will be sharing a crime from the beautiful state of Colorado. This is your couple of criminals
1: signing off.